Hello everyone, Stephanie Strong here with PresenceWithPurpose.com. I coach, train, and develop high-performance leaders to maximize personal and professional development goals and to leverage them in such a way to achieve organizational success. Welcome to Three Things on Monday podcast with Stephanie Strong, where I intersect lifestyle, leadership, culture, faith, and art through the amazing teachable moments of everyday people who are influencing the world around them. So thank you for joining me today as we blaze trails of triumph, honor the joys and tears of our community, amplifying the voices and life lessons by the diverse textures and tones of leaders making the world a better place as we breathe together in peace, love, and hope. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Three Things on Monday podcast with your host, Stephanie Strong, and we are into the second week of 2023. Wow, 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 wow. And so I'd like to invite all of you to just pull up wherever you are on your devices and tune in because we are in for a wonderful conversation with my guests. Um, of whom I will introduce shortly. So before we jump right into the podcast episode, I have an announcement um, for you. On January 18th, I am going to be launching another boot camp, Boost Your Confidence and Unleash Your Real Potential Boot Camp. And I have a waiting list because I have limited availability. So I want you to be the first to get on the list and be able to access this boot camp. So please sign up. Uh, to get on the waiting list. And here's where you can go to sign up to be on the waiting list. Tinyurl.com forward slash boost your confidence waiting list. All one word. Again, tiny, T-I-N-Y-U-R-L-U-R-L.com forward slash boost your confidence waiting list. Be sure you get on that waiting list ASAP because we are in for a wonderful boot camp on January 18th and I want you to be in the virtual house. So I'm grateful that you are here. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my guest. I'm so excited um, about today. My guest is Richard Apia or Apia? Yeah. Okay, Richard Apia Okoto. Richard Apia Okoto. Richard is joining me all the way from Ghana, Africa. Doesn't get any better than this. Doesn't get any better than this. So excited about having Richard on um, on the podcast episode today. Richard is a junior high school teacher over at the Bettanese Municipal Assembly Junior High School. And he has 10 years of experience in information and computer technology. He reached global notoriety when he began to teach his students Microsoft Word and other computer skills using a blackboard, but we'll get into that. Um, he loves imparting knowledge and seeing the successful well-being 
of his students becoming realized and with impact. Richard is all about impact. And if you don't know about Richard, you ought to get to know who he is in the expanse of the work that he has done. He has a passion for teaching and he loves to give the students in the rural areas of Ghana a fighting spirit, a fighting chance, and so that they can compete at the level of their peers in urban districts. We are so grateful to have you today, Richard. Welcome. And would you kindly say hello to our listening audience? Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm here. This is Richard. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And if you are watching this via YouTube on my YouTube channel, which I am now putting the uh, the the podcast episode on my YouTube channel. So we're glad that the audience from YouTube that you're tuning in, you're actually watching the podcast episode of Three Things on Monday. So we're grateful for all the people in our listening audience. And so we could not be more pleased and excited to have Richard here. So we're going to have a conversation about the work that Richard is doing in, in education and uh, so we want you to just kind of listen in and, you know, put some comments wherever you're listening to the podcast. Feel free to put comments in the chat. So, Richard, would you please just tell us more about where you're from and the journey to becoming an educator? Uh, okay. I'm from Kumasi. I was raised, I was raised up in Kumasi in the Asante region. Yeah, that's where I spent almost all my life. I completed my secondary school education in 2004. Then from there, I went to the Polytechnic, Mass Commercial Polytechnic, in 2005 to read fashion design and textile studies, and completed in 2008. And from there, after tertiary education in Ghana here, you need to serve the nation for a period of one year. That's the national service. So I was posted to such a democracy here. I didn't want to come. And secondly, I thought I was going to be posted to a fashion or textile school uh, to be able to at least exhibit what I've learned in the tertiary. But uh, it wasn't so. I was rather sent to a normal classroom to teach. As I said, I didn't want to come because it was my first time leaving my place to a different uh, area to go and make life. So I spent about two weeks at home and later changed my mind to go. To go. I packed my stuff, everything, and came here. That's the Chedi Masi. So I was taken to the classroom and I was introduced to the school and the students as well and I was given two subjects to teach that is ICT and religious and moral education though with the national service you can you can start or you can begin to work for some months without receiving your allowances but that, that, that didn't stop me from going to school. Some of my police were not going because they were not getting the allowances at the end of the month. But I was always there. The headmaster was happy with my behavior. The second supervisors were all happy with my behavior, including my, my students. 
Yeah, because I was there with another guy who was also having a service. He would never come until they pay our allowances. But I was still there. So I was there for a period of a year. And after the service, we had uh, our annual festive master service like in the form of a party for that particular year. So I was there and I was called and I was handed the best service personnel in education in that sec in that circuit or in that district. So right after the service, I packed my stuff and left the village. Like that's the Then in 2011, I applied to be a teacher. And in 2012, I was appointed. But I was appointed as a non-professional teacher because I was not having the education background. So I was appointed as a non-professional teacher. So as I was working uh, within the period of 2012, 2013, 2014, and in 2015, I decided to further my education, at least to have an education background so that I will be, be a professional teacher. So I started my course at the University of Winneba, University of Education Winneba, that's Kumasi campus. I completed in 2018. And from there, I was given my letter as a professional teacher. So that's where my coming and my, me coming to be an educator there came. Wow. Wow. What a journey. What a journey, Richard. It interestingly uh, is so it's, you know, life is all about the journey and not so much yeah. the destination. Who would have thought you were set for fashion and fashion and design? That's your thing, yeah. right? And so yeah. uh, and you were set to take a career in that path. Am I correct? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So. The fact that you had to go to this school to do some level of community work, you didn't really want to go, and then you ended up going, and then you fell in love. Yeah. <laughs> yes, with teaching. And not only did you fall in love with teaching and the students, you were not a professional, you were a non-professional teacher, so you were teaching, but you didn't have the credentials. Yeah. And you went back yes. to the university to get the credentials so that you could be a qualified teacher. What? That's amazing. That's amazing, yeah. Richard. We, we 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 salute you. We salute you, my brother. Oh. Uh, what a what a what a powerful testimony and witness to people who may be on one trajectory for their career path, but then they get an epiphany or an experience that takes them in a different direction. So we are just totally, we're, we're mesmerized by not only what you're currently doing, but how you got there. And so I like for you to describe more so about what you're passionate about. What is what, what is the passion that you bring in teaching these students, these junior high students? That, that is okay. a calling. <laughs> that is a calling. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. You know, every, every, every teacher wants to, every teacher or all teachers have the opportunity in making a difference in the life of their students. 
Yeah, I also have that passion. I want to make a difference, no matter where they are. And there's one thing, when you make a difference in the life of the students, you make a difference in the entire community as well. Because wherever the students will go, he will carry the name of the community where he's from. So my passion was to make a difference and also give them a fighting spirit to be able to compete with other students outside their community. Yeah. That was the passion I had yeah. in, all, in all my life as a teacher. And to be a teacher, you need to have the spirit or you, you need to have the heart of a servant. Yes, if you don't have the heart of a servant, you cannot be a teacher. Because there are some places where you'll be posted to school. The environment alone will deter you. You not even have that passion, that willingness to go and teach. So when you have the heart of a servant, that's one aspect. You also have, you must also have a dedication or you have to have a, you have to dedicate yourself to teach. And when you have these two values, you are good to go. Your passion will flow. You will get what you what you want. Mm-hmm. That's where you'll be posted to teach. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's powerful. That is so powerful. Um, you know, you talked about the fighting spirits, you know, that that is a, a definitely a recurring um motivation to give those students a fighting spirit. And as I'm listening to you, what really comes up in my mind is this idea of having confidence and having courage and having um, an understanding of what the students was expected of them and teaching them how to rise up to that expectation of greatness. And I love the way that you talked about uh, this is good, but a teacher must have also a heart of a servant. Yes, a heart of a servant, because the community itself can pull you away from showing up with the students, you know, and I like, I want to go back too, because you also said that you, it, you know, this fighting spirit is, is for the students, but it's also for the community because they get to take back to their community, a sense of pride, yeah. a, a, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of belonging and being able to to bring to their community this idea that there's better for them and that they are living it. They're not just saying it. They have a teacher, Richard Okoto, who's saying that you, <laughs> that you can do it and you push your students to achieve the yeah. things that seem so hard. So I love that you said that and to have a fighting spirit and you all, I mean, have a um, heart of a servant and, and a sense of dedication and bringing those values to the classroom. 
And so that is interesting and, 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 and so necessary in my humble opinion, if I may say, because um, the work of a teacher or anybody that's in some level of service industry where they're serving the public, it calls for a certain brand of values that you bring outside of the discipline. There's the discipline of teaching and education as with any other career path. But there's also the intrinsic values that you bring that really seal the discipline. It makes the discipline more meaningful. It makes the engagement with the students and with the public more meaningful and also um, contextual, if I may say. And so um, this is just beautiful how you um, so, sort of articulated and described what it means for you to show up with the students. And again, we applaud you. So we know that you... Um, achieved global, global notoriety. Um, when you had these innovative ways to uh, teach the children how to use Microsoft Word. And so interestingly, you were recognized as one of the most innovative and dedicated educators at the um, at, at the E2, I think it's called the E2, Microsoft E2, and that is a gathering that takes place where educators come together and they exchange ideas about best practices and all of these good things. And you stood heads among your contemporaries because of the innovative way that you took information, information and communication technology to a whole nother, to a whole other level in teaching your students. So would you talk to us? about um, that whole trajectory and teaching the students Microsoft Word on a Blackboard. And what was the inspiration around taking that um, methodology and using that approach to prepare the students for the ICT um, exam, requirement exam? Yeah. As, as, uh, as an institution, or as an educational institution, or a quality of a good educational institution, you have all the teaching and learning resources. That makes teaching and learning very good to go. But in my area, we were lacking all the necessary teaching and learning materials. And as I've, uh, I've been in the system, and I know how their final year exams are being conducted. And so I was also raised in the urban area, or I was raised in the city. So when I came, I was comparing how I was able to get access to teaching and learning materials, and they are not getting over there. And at the end of the day, we all go and write the same questions or the same papers at the end of the three years stay in the junior high. So I was like, why? Because I was very good in arts. I did visual arts in school, in the secondary school. So I was good at drawing. So I said to myself, then I have to use my skills 
to help the student, even though we don't have the actual computer around, at least to give them a picture view. So that when they see a computer, or when one day when they get closer to a computer, they will know this is what I was teaching them. So in that case, we were learning how to launch Microsoft Word. So I explained and wrote the steps on the board, the steps involved in launching Microsoft Word on the computer. So I did everything on the board. Then drew the features as well. But they didn't know anything about the features. So then, after drawing the features, I just made a small sketch of the monitor, the keyboard, and the computer mouse also on the board. So that is what I used to explain the steps involved in launching the Microsoft Spread for them. So after taking them through the steps and after using my sketch to explain or to show them the practical way of launching Microsoft Word when you see the computer. I directed them to the features and said, when you launch Microsoft Word, this is what will appear on your screen for you. And that particular feature normally appears in their final year exams. As their practicals, they will draw it for them and ask questions about, about it. So I didn't want them to find themselves wanted. Like, hey, what is this? We've not been taught. So definitely when they get to the exams hall and they see the image, or oh, they will know that yeah, we were taught without a computer. We know the features and they'll be able to answer their questions. I didn't want them to lose. I always, I always, I always told them that I'm here. The blackboard is going to be our everything. The blackboard okay. is going to be our computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think our screen froze. Let's see what's going on here. All right. Can you hear me, Richard? Well, we've got a little connection issue here. And so what Richard was saying, and we'll just give him a moment to get reconnected here. There we go. Yes, yes. There we go. Wonderful. Richard, yes. Wow. Just wow. Wow on every front. Number one, you talked about the lack of resources that are available to the students in the district. You're coming from an urban city setting to a rural setting. So you were able to have first um, account um, observation on the resources that are available to students in the urban area and the um, resources that are available or not or not available to those in the rural um, areas. And uh, interestingly, even though you're in Ghana, Africa, the same disparities and inequities exist right here in the United States as well. That uh, schools and districts that are in um, in thriving communities, th not only thriving communities, but um, really upper class to rich neighborhoods, they have all the resources in those schools 
while schools that are in marginalized communities lack resources. What I love most about your story and as you were telling it was that you recognize these disparities and as opposed to allowing the disparities to drive the way that you, um, you know, or to hold the students back, you leverage the disparities, tapped into your creativity and begin to sketch out the screens, the, the prompts, the keys, the keyboard, the commands, the shortcut. You did it all on a chalkboard. I can't help but imagine as you were talking about this, I was thinking, I bet you that he drew from his fashion uh, design skills to be able to sketch that, you know, because I've seen the pictures and I'm saying that is genius. It's just genius. And that you were able to sketch out everything that they would be able to recognize on the ICT requirement exam so that they would not get to the exam and become exasperated and feel defeated because they did not recognize the screen because they were going to take the exam on a screen of which they did not have computers to learn. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. This is what I believe as I'm listening to you comes from a servant heart. This is going beyond what's expected. This is going the distance for the students, holding the students' needs at the core of your teaching and to be able to go that, not just one step, you went like a thousand steps further to be able to equip them to compete and take the exam, even though they lack resources. My God, my God. That is amazing. That is amazing. And uh, you're another because you, you've been, I mean, like your global notoriety, that's how I came to know you. I saw you, I was on Facebook. This was years ago, maybe like two or three, maybe three years ago or so. I don't know, maybe two or three. Yeah, I've been following you ever since. I, I friended you. You accepted my I friended you and you accepted my friendship. I was like, he accepted my friendship. Wow. I was very impressed by that. However, um, I came to become familiar with you because of that. And I saw this. I'm like, who is this young man? I'm like, he's somebody I need to know. So I I was reading. I went on your Facebook. After I started reading this, I'm going to put a friend request <laughs> And you were kind enough to accept my friendship. So I want to thank you for that. But back to this idea of being able to um, take some, take little, take little and make much from it is very much from a faith lens is what um, I know in my own faith tradition, what God does takes little and make much of it and takes nothing and creates something. And that's what you did. They did not have computers. They don't They don't have the resources available to them. So aside from the resources, what are some of the other challenges you face um, that, or that come up or um, sort of recurring, if you will, when, it, when you are teaching um, students in um, the junior high school, what are some of those challenges and how have you been able to address those challenges? Okay, my greatest challenge uh, is getting my students to be disciplined and also to improve on their learning outcome. 
there because they love playing a lot. Kids in rural areas, they love playing a lot. You teach them today, the next day, they forget as if you don't go to the classroom. So it's like always you have to go back. You get me? You always have to repeat what you, you've taught already. That is my greatest challenge. They are not disciplined enough that, oh, we've, we've, we were taught this today. Let me sit down and learn so that tomorrow when questions have been asked, I'll be able to answer them. We move forward. That's that's interesting because, you know, when I think about junior high students, I think about a range of emotions, a range of hormones, a range of um, seriousness uh, to folly and all of that. And so I know when we spoke before, you um, were sharing how serious you are as an educator and that um, I'm sure that when the kids were want to play you like to pull them pull, pull them in to be more disciplined so that they can get the work done so uh i tell you your challenge is not unique to to educators <laughs> and so again i rank educators up really really high and it's definitely a um a great um a field and one that's needed and necessary and so of course we we applaud all educators um, on every level in the educational system. And um, we certainly are grateful for you. I'm just curious about like, how can people support um, the school that you work in, the Bettanese Municipal Assembly Junior Academy, or even support the work that you're doing? What's the best way that people can support what you're doing? Okay, no, I don't have uh, any GoFundMe account, but mostly... People get in touch with me through my Facebook Messenger. We communicate over there, then we exchange contacts, and sometimes they ask what the student needs, and I also communicate to them, and whatever help that they want to render, they send in their support, and also make sure uh, what they are looking for is being done and take pictures and send back to say thank you to them. That's what normally it, it, it happens. I get in touch with people through my Facebook Messenger. Then from yeah. there. Yeah. Do people make contributions? Um, do they make monetary contributions? Do they make um do they send supplies like school supplies to your district just say you know there are people listening from across the globe and they there are a lot of good-hearted people who want to support this and before I even go any further in this particular part of my question I would like for you to share I forgot about this and I want to name this because it's so important because the students went from no computers to how many computers do you have now in the computer labs that you teach I like to hear that okay Currently, we are having two computer laboratories. Yes. One in the school that everything happened. Yes. That place, they are having 52 computers. And there's also another one, which was also established by an NGO that's helping African Foundation. They also made a setup of 44 seater computer lab, 
for the community as well. So currently, that's where I've been posted, or that is where I've been asked to teach. So I am taking uh, all the schools ICT, and time to more be designed for them. So during that time, they will move to the center, and I take them through the ICT lessons. So in all, I would say we are having about ninety six computers. Wow. Yeah. 96 computers. And I, I I have to also mention that this, what you do outside of your teaching requirements and, and your teaching duties is volunteering. You do this, these labs and all of the extra as a matter of volunteering. Am I correct? Yeah. Is that correct? <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, we, uh, so you can get in touch with Richard. If you want to reach out to Richard and connect with him, you can reach out to him. He is on Facebook and his Facebook name is Aurora. O-W-U-R-A. Aurora. Aurora. Listen, help Aurora. 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 Did I get it? Aurora. Aurora. Hottish. Hottish. Yes, let me spell it for you. O W U R A. Aurora. Quadro. K W A D W O. Hottish. H O T T I S H. <laughs> Connect with him. Okay, listen. This is three things on Monday podcast, and so I always like to end with three gems or three things that the guests would like to leave with the listening audience. What would those three things be? Okay, what will be wherever they find themselves is you try to build relationships because relationships matter more than anything that is one wherever you find yourself you should try and build relationship with others two they should love one another no matter their race because love is a beautiful thing that everyone must enjoy and the last one is you also find someone and confine in, in order to share their problems because problem set is problem solved. So these are the critters I'll leave with our listeners. That's beautiful. Problem set is problem solved. I love that. It needs to be on a t-shirt. So Richard left three powerful gems. You guys, don't you dare miss it. Build relationships, love one another, and find someone to confide in. Problem set is a problem solved. Love it. Well, well, Richard, we are so grateful that you carved out some time in your schedule to be a guest on the Three Things on Monday podcast. We're so happy to have you here. And I just look forward to having you again. Would you be willing to come back again at, at another time and share some good stuff, what you're doing there in the provinces of um, Ghana. Also, my friends, I just want to remind you again to please sign up 
for the Boost Your Confidence and Unleash Your Real Potential Bootcamp waiting list at tinyurl.com forward slash Boost Your Confidence waiting list. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are so glad that you joined us on today's episode. We look forward to uh, you tuning in again. And until next time, make this your absolute best day and take care.